the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Come with me to First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 to 15. Thank you, Holy Spirit. One, let's go. Since to you, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Somebody say, this is the church of the living God. It's not the church of the dead God. Say it. This is not the church of the dead God. It's the church of the living God. And it's a pillar and foundation of the truth. Okay, so whatever we'll be sharing about this is the truth. Because that's what it represents. When you take the church out of society, truth goes out of society. Now let's do verse number, the same text, but the CV version this time. Let's go. One go. I hope to visit you soon, but I'm writing these instructions. Verse 15. So if I am delayed, you will know how everyone who belongs to God's family ought to behave. Ask your neighbor, do you belong to God's family? Okay. Do you belong to this particular family? Then you have to listen to the things we are going to be teaching seriously. Amen. Amen. Okay. Then he says, after all, the church of the living God is the strong foundation of the say it. The church of the living God is the strong foundation of the okay. Let's do the new century version. New century version. One go. Although I hope I can come to you soon, I'm writing these things to you now. Then, delayed, you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God. The support and foundation of the truth. Ask your neighbor, do you know God's family? Uh-huh. Okay. So that's about that. This one says, how people who belong to the family of God ought to behave. This one says, how they ought to live. And then, God's word translation. GW, God's word translation. One go. I hope to visit you soon. However, I'm writing this to you in case I'm delayed. I want you to know how people who are is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Are you okay with that? Are you okay with that? 
Okay, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25, the New King James Version. Let's go. Let us consider one another in order to stir up what? Love and love and what? Not forsaking. Oh, let's read it together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm teaching this morning and through this month about good family manners. Good family manners. If you are clapping, clap well. Good family manners. Good family manners. The CEV says that I hope to visit you soon, but I'm writing these instructions. Then even if I am delayed, you will know how to live in the family of God. The CV version says, you know how everyone who belongs to God's family ought to behave. Somebody say, there's a way to behave. There's a way to behave. There's a way to behave. Everybody who comes to church comes to church with the mind to receive and to be blessed. But unfortunately, many people come and go daily without anything happening to them. And the simple reason why in most cases it happens is because a lot of people take their behavior in the house of God for granted. They think they can behave anyhow and still get what they want to get from God. It doesn't work like that. God is a God of protocol. Anybody who must come to God must come through Christ. A lot of people want to see God, but they want to see him without Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. So if you won't follow God's ordained and established protocol, there's no way you will see me. It's important that we appreciate these things. A lot of people have been in church for years. And because these simple things are not in place, sometimes they cause havoc. A lot of things, things happen around them that ought not to happen. But they are traceable to matters that we'll be discussing as far as this subject is concerned. Okay, the Cambridge Dictionary defines manners as polite ways of treating other people and behaving in public. Somebody say polite ways. Polite Polite ways of treating other people or behaving in public. That is the Cambridge Dictionary. But I'm not going to be walking you on the path of dictionary. It's just that the word manners is an English word, so you need to appreciate that first. How do you treat people in public? When you are out in the open, how do you handle yourself? How do you manage yourself in the office space? There is a way you carry yourself about in an office space. When you go to work, in a working environment, there's a way. There's a way you even dress to work. You don't dress as if you are going for dinner when you are going to work. You don't dress as if you have an agenda on your boss. Am I communicating here? Yeah, it's very important. I mean, people take a whole lot of things for granted. So there are offices and job places where they give specific dress codes. Why? Because there's a way things ought to be done in public. There is a way you behave yourself. When people see you, they say, this one is well-behaved. When they describe you as a well-behaved person because your behavior is consistent with what is expected. Am I communicating here? Now, there is a behavior expected of a child of God. When you are born again, there is a way we expect you to behave. There is a way you conduct yourself. And when that behavior is present, we say this is a correct Christian. Are you here with me? Many people come in and go out. Come in and go out. Come in and go out. And you see, the thing about church is that when you come to church, 
one of two things happen. I saw this in the book of First Corinthians, and I think I will read it to you after I've walked you through the context I'm looking at family money. So when I talk about family money, the scripture I just read to you, it just tells you. He says in, I'll read from the New Century Version, and then we would, we would go. He said, although I hope I can come to you soon, I'm writing these things to you now. Then if I am delayed, you will know how to live. Somebody said there's a way to live. In the family of God, the family, that family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. So the family there, it's already established. When I talk about good family manners, I'm talking about family in the sense of God's family. Praise the Lord. In, the, in your own individual nuclear home, there are manners you need to teach your children. But when we come into God's house, just as is the responsibility of the head of the family the father at home the mother at home to teach and train the children the way they ought to behave at home there is also the responsibility on the pastorate and the leadership to teach you how you ought to behave yourself in church and the way we behave ourselves in church will go a long way to affect our spiritual health and our spiritual effectiveness and by extension to our natural lives as well Okay, so that's what the Cambridge Dictionary defines as manners. It gives several definitions, but really this is what was uh, relevant to my subject. Now, when I talk about good family manners in our context, what am I talking about? Good family manners refers to positive attitudes. Somebody say positive attitudes. Positive. And behavior, scripture prescribed for us to live by as members of God's family. Somebody say positive attitudes. Positive. Now say it. Positive attitudes. Positive. And what? Behaviors. Scripture pres pres prescribes for us to live by as members of God's family. When you become a member of God's family, there is an expected way of behavior. I hear what I mean. There's an, expected way, there's, there's an expected manner of life you ought to live. When I talk about good manners, good family manners, I'm also talking about positive attitude and behaviors in church that attract God's blessing upon our corporate meetings and into our individual lives. Somebody say, attitudes. attitudes. Now let's, let's introduce the word positive. Positive attitudes. And behaviors, and behaviors that attract that God's blessings upon our corporate meetings and into our individual lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you encounter God in the midst of the brethren, something happens in your individual lives. In our corporate meetings, something happens. There is a certain kind of God's presence that you can never get all by yourself. When you decide that I'm not going to be in church, I'm going to stay at home, I'm going to follow service online, though I'm not sick and I'm not uh, uh, incapacitated, there is a limitation to what you can receive. There's a certain corporate anointing, corporate blessing, corporate grace that is released only when we meet together. Whether it's in a prayer meeting or it's in a Sunday worship service or it's a midweek teaching service there is always a unique blessing now follow this reading very closely because as we go through this month we will come to look at one church that took some of these things for granted and the consequences of what uh, and the consequences that came upon them and i pray that we will be spared of such consequences here can somebody give me an amen, amen. all right look at 
first Corinthians chapter 11 verse 17 to 18 he said but in the following instructions I do not commend you because when you come together it is not for the better but for the worse did you see that when you come together it's not for the better but for the worse when we assemble together like this the Bible says it's supposed to be for better but you see the way these guys were managing themselves it was happening in the negative it was for the worse it should help you set up when you come to church it, it should help you mind your manners when you come to church because you see every time you come to church on god's side it's supposed to be better but on your side it can be worse it can be worse this is not old testament this is new testament church this was a spiritual church this was a gifted church but in their midst many things were going wrong some of them were dying some of them were sick some of them were weak only in that church and it's simply because of the way they carry themselves in the presence of god you see in the old testament the ark of god was such a special thing that nobody dared joke with it god actually prescribed the kind of people who must carry it and how they ought to carry it when they are moving the ark from one place to another there was a prescribed way they ought to carry the carry the ark and one day there was a man who was not warranted was not uh, expected to touch it he came close the ark was actually falling and he decided to hold it who will not help the ark is falling i'm helping it but god's standards were so strict that when he stretched his hand to touch it he was helping it but he ended up being slain by the ark he ended up being slain by the ark you see maybe we've taken things for granted from january to now the remainder of the quarter sit up and watch god turn to your neighbor and say sit up and watch god i've told you you see all things are ours in christ there is nothing that god is going to give you but you have to position yourself well so that that which is yours will come to you am i complicating here because something that is legitimately yours can slip out of your hand because you don't position yourself well but when you learn to position yourself well and it's your turn nobody can take it away from you that's why it's so so important i cannot have you come here week after week sunday after sunday wednesday after sunday and then things are not happening in the way they ought to happen in your life that's why i've said again and again i mean i've repeated it most almost every year i repeat it that if you cannot uh, abide by our principles our teaching in this place and to apply yourself to it there are too many churches there are too many churches go to a place and when you go there whatever they are doing there if they are drinking human blood take part if they are drinking water take part be fully committed and engaged church is not a place we go and we go with our own mind church is a place we go and we receive the mind of christ am i communicating here so you don't stay in church and do things the way you think the way you want or the way you've been brought up probably at home am i communicating here it's so fundamental foundational foundational he says when you come together 
Things don't happen well for you. The Bible said those that are planted in the house of God. You think if going to church was not going to add value to anybody's life, the man David who was a king and a priest and a prophet, he would be making his way to church every time. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. He said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of weakness. David said that one thing I desire of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple. It was this David who said, one day in thy court is better than a thousand elsewhere. That was David. He said that all the days of my life I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What did he see? What made him that committed and passionate about the house of God? There was something that was coming from the house of God. When we read the book of Psalm 20, Psalm 20, verse 1 to 4, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Send thee help from his sanctuary. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Then he tells you, verse uh, 2, he said, The Lord send thee help from where? Send thee help from where? So we come to receive help. Unfortunately, a lot of people come and when they are leaving, they rather carry something else. The Lord strengthened thee out of Zion. This is a place of strength. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeared before God. And yet some people stay here and they are weak. He says some of you are weak. Some are sick. Some die prematurely. That shall not be your testimony. I said that shall not be your testimony. The New Living Translation, the same text. 1 Corinthians 15, 11, 17. He said, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. More harm than good is done when you meet together. The first thing I want you to appreciate is that once you are born again as a child of God, automatically you become a part of God's family. Somebody say, I'm born again, I'm born again. and I'm a part of God's family. There is nothing like I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in church. You are not. Yes. You are not. It's, not. it's not debatable. You can be a Christian and not be in church. You can believe in the head and not be part of the body. It's not. One of the greatest deceptions of our times are people who claim to be good Christians. How can you be one? Do you even know one? How can you even understand who is a good Christian when you have not had the opportunity to uh, relate with other Christians? When you relate with unbelievers and you think that your morality is higher than them, you think that that makes you a Christian. No, 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 no. A Christian is one who has placed faith in Christ and is connected with other believers who are also part of God's family. Am I communicating here? So nobody can be a Christian and stay at home. Nobody lives a Christian life alone. Everybody believes in Christ alone, but nobody lives a Christian life alone. You cannot. Because what actually tells whether you are a genuine one is how, what happens when you come into the family and how you are able to relate and bond with other people in God's family. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So all things have become new when you place your faith in Christ, including the family you belong. The moment you get born again, you become a part of God's family. Look at this with me. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible says that God decided in advance. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own Oh, talk to me. Into his own what? 
by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So the moment you come to Christ, you place your faith in Christ, you are a part of God's family. Somebody say, I'm a part of God's family. He says, this is what he wanted to do. And he gave him great pleasure to make you a part of his family. Are you not excited about that? God is excited that you are part of his family. That's why the only thing he wants you to have as a member of his family is to receive the best. And that's why this is crucial. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy. You are uh, citizens with all of God's holy what? You are members of God's. You are members of God's. How did you become a member of God's family? Because you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's where it starts from. When Jesus was praying, teaching them, giving them a model to pray. He says, when you pray, say, our father. There is nothing like my father. Our father. God caused us into, into corporate fellowship. At this time, you are not going to the cross. But that's what he was talking about. My prayer is that they may all be one. This is it. Okay. So, church manners simply have to do with the attitudes we ought to possess. The behavior we must manifest when we come together as God's family. Why is this necessary? Today, I want us to uh, consider why it's so important that we appreciate manners. Somebody say manners. If you are going to go far in life, your manners matter a lot. There are doors that will never open to you again. The same door will never open to you again. When you enter and you behave yourself in an unworthy manner. I believe that God is a God of second chances, third chances, four chances. But you see, human beings don't give you multiple chances. Yeah, human beings are not like that. That's, that, that's not how human beings are. As for God, his mercies are new every morning. Every human being has his trust limit. At a certain point, they give up. That's why you need to be careful how you manage yourself among the people God brings you close to. Alright, so why is it so necessary that we learn about church manners and we learn about fa good family manners. Number one, because it sets God's family apart from all others on the earth. Somebody say, it sets God's family apart. One of the main things, one of the main reasons why Jesus came was to purchase unto God a peculiar people zealous of good works. Somebody say, a peculiar people. That has always been God's agenda. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, look at this with me. Exodus chapter 19, the New King James Version, quickly. Exodus chapter 19, verse 1 to 3. This was God's original agenda. It has always been his original agenda. When he made Adam, he wanted to have a special relationship with him. Exodus 19, please. Exodus 19. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. Verse 2, this is what the Bible says. For they departed from them and came to come to verse 3 for me. Verse 3. Moses went up to God, and the Lord said to him from the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob and to the children of Israel. What are you to tell them? Verse 4. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Verse 5. He says, Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you will be a special what? 
special what? A special what? To me above all people. For the earth is mine. What was God's idea? To make them a special treasure. That was God's idea. And this idea didn't change when Jesus came. These guys could not relate with God in such a way that they would become God's special treasure. So God carried that idea of God has always been wanting a special treasure unto himself. So he made Jesus came. And when Jesus came, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, you have not chosen me. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that same word special treasure a peculiar people god chose a peculiar chose us to be a peculiar people in christ somebody say i'm peculiar in christ say it with me i'm peculiar in christ now being a peculiar person also comes with a peculiar behavior you can't be a peculiar person and you are behaving like an ordinary person so there is a way we ought to behave and our behavior sets us apart as God's family, the manness we exhibit must know. When you meet a child that has been raised well, when you see the child, you can tell this is from a good home. And when you meet a Christian who has also been groomed well, when that Christian behaves, you know you want to see their pastor. It's the same thing. When our manners are consistent with biblical values, we become a special people unto God. Look at what the Bible says: First John chapter three, verse nine to ten. He said, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of what? A practice of what? A practice of what? A practice of sinning because God's life is in them. They don't make a practice of sinning. In other words, they don't live habitually in sin. They don't live habitually in sin. They don't live with a woman they are not married to. And they are having sex every night and they say we'll marry someday. That's habitually living in sin. Am I communicating here? That's, that's not right. Then you give birth, second birth, third birth. And the family, because the family which the lady comes from lacks manners. And your own family lacks natural manners. You have also added spiritual, your spiritual lack of manners is all compounded. So threefold lack of manners. The lady's family lacks manners. Your own lacks manners. And then in your spiritual family too, because you don't know manners. I'm not communicating here. They don't make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. Now, so, so, so they can't keep on sinning because they are the children of what? God. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, so now, look at this. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Simple. That's, that's not, it's not about your tongues. It's not about, no, no, no. He says, anybody who does not live like this is not a child. You don't belong to, you don't know God. It's clear cut. So, our manner sets us apart as a family of God. It makes people know that this is a family of God. This is a family of God. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35. So, I give you a new commandment. Love each other just, uh, just as much as I have what? Just as much as I have what? Yeah. Verse 35. Look at verse 35. For when you demonstrate the, the same love I have for you, by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true... You are my true what? Ask your neighbor, are you a true follower? Yeah. How is your love gauge? Yeah. Are you a true follower? The Bible says, by the way we demonstrate love, people will see that we are true followers. 
When someone is down, do you pick a hammer to hammer the person down? Or you find a way to lift up the person up? That's what we'll show, whether you're a true follower or not. Number two, so the first reason why madness matters in church is because it sets us apart. Somebody say it sets us apart. Okay, number two is that it honors Christ. Good family madness honor Christ. They honor Christ. They honor Christ. They honor Christ. Now, you have to understand that your goal as a Christian is to honor Christ. The Bible says, whatever we do, whether we eat or we drink, we should do all to the glory of our God. That's all. That's the sum total of your life. Why must Christ be honored? How does Christ get honored? Because he's the family head. He's what? Say, Christ is the family head. Colossians 1.18. Colossians 1.18. He says, and he's the head of the body, the church. Somebody say he's the head of the body. The church. The church. Uh-huh. Who, who is the beginning? The first one from the dead. That in all things, he may have the preeminence. That's it. Christ is the head of the body. So that is Christ. He's the head. And if he's a family head, when things are not going well in the family, who do we blame? He's the one we blame. It's a bad family head. Now look at Colossians 1.24. He said, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions for Christ for the sake of his body. Somebody say the sake of his body. Which is what? What is his body? The church is his body. That is Christ's body. Now Ephesians 1.22-23. He says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Please, are you following what I'm teaching this morning? Christ is the head of a church. Christ is the head of a church. Now look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and is the savior of the body. Christ is the head. So whatever we do, when we behave in the church in a way that brings his honor, Christ is dishonored. When we behave in a way that brings honor, Christ is also exalted. So everything we do, he is the head of the church. That's why madness matters. Look at 1 Timothy 6, verse 1 and 2, TPT. 1 Timothy 6, 1 and 2. He says, instruct every employee. Now look at this very closely. Instruct every employee to respect and honor their employees. Why? For this attitude presents them a clear testimony of God's truth and renown. Tell them to never provide. Look at that word. That's too strong. To tell them to never provide them with a reason to discredit God's name because of their, because of what? Their actions. Never, never should your employees say, you say you are a Christian and you are acting like this. That's what Paul is saying here. That's not a member of the family. You see, belonging to Christ is a huge responsibility. When you are become a part of God's family, it comes with such a huge responsibility. Now look at verse 2. He says, especially honor and respect employees who are believers and don't despise them because, but serve them even more for they are fellow believers. They should be at peace with them as beloved members of God's family. Be faithful to teach these things as they are sacred obligations. Are you following what the Bible is teaching here? Number three, the third reason why we need to 
observe good family manners in the house of God is because good family manners reveals your spiritual maturity as a member of God's family. It reveals your spiritual what? Maturity. Somebody say my maturity. It's seen in my manners. Say my maturity. It's seen in my manners. Yeah. When somebody does something good for you, it is manners to say thank you. If you don't know how to say thank you, your manners are poor. And you demonstrate that you are a baby. Babies have to be taught again and again how to greet, how to relate with the elderly. It's all simple things. When you mature, your behavior shows. When you mature, <laughs> there is no way you cannot tell a child's behavior from an adult's behavior. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child. Somebody say, when I was a child. Was a child. And you see, there is a time where you are supposed to be a child in the house of God. But you have to grow up. So if after being in church for two years, three years, you are still acting like a child, something is fundamentally wrong. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. So something happened, maybe among the choir, and then you spoke rashly. If you've, you've just joined fresh and you are young, we can take it. But after one year, when you get angry at rehearsal, then you pick up whatever you came with and you leave. When you leave, you should not be welcome back. Am I communicating here? Because that's a childish behavior. Am I communicating somebody at all? You are quiet now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait, listen, 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 listen. That's why I told you that the, the, the things, I've said it again and again and again and again. The things that brings the blessing of God on the lives of people, they are very simple things. Very, very simple things. But Africans have been raised, I don't know how, but Africans have been raised with a lot of complex belief and complicated things. So simple things are always difficult for us to grasp as Africans. The same mathematics that others teach in simplicity, it will be taught to an African child in a very complex manner. So the moment the environment changes, he wonders. So all of these things that are how relevant were they to where I am today? Complexness. And this same complicated, complex mindset can be brought to church so that, I mean, it is easier for an African man to believe once you do some inkunya, yeah, I don't know how to put a define, define inkunya. It's not miracles. Miracles is the, are the acts of God. No, it's not incantations. Yeah. <laughs> incantations and invocations. When you present things in a very simple way, Africans don't easily believe. And it's the same thing. You see, life in Christ is one of victory. That once you understand and you decide to apply yourself to it, no force anywhere is powerful enough to stop you. No force anywhere is powerful enough to stop you. No force anywhere. No force anywhere. He said, little children, those who are born, born again first, you are of God and you as little children have overcome the world because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's somebody in the world, but there's one here who is far greater and if you know how to get this one out, 
But the one who is greater here, you don't even know him. You don't honor him. You just despise him. You just run your life as if he doesn't even exist. So the one outside who is not so powerful seems to be so overwhelming, seems to be so intimidating, and you are not able to deal with him. Am I communicating here? I, I, I will never allow a congregation's behavior to get me to present Christ the way he ought not to be presented. It's a commitment. I will teach and preach Christ the way Christ ought to be preached. Whether to an African uh, setting or to European, whoever, that's how I'll present him. I'm not communicating here. Yeah. I was telling, I preached somewhere at a pastor's conference last year, and I was telling them that the gospel that cannot be preached in every nation is not the true gospel. The gospel that cannot be preached in every nation is not the true gospel. Yeah. The gospel is not come and receive a visa because our people who are in a country, they are never looking for a visa. They, are, they don't even think of visa anywhere. Am I communicating here? Yeah. But today, that's Christianity. A whole denomination is devoted to that cause. That's all. So when they come to prayer meetings and topics like that are not lifted, God is not in the meeting. Now, I'm saying that it reveals your maturity. Somebody say your maturity. As members of God's family. You see, the church is a place of maturity. It's a place of what? Maturity. Yeah, it's a place you have to come in as a baby. Paul said, when I came to you, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 5, he spoke to them. When I came to you, well, brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to Kana, when you are dealing with babies, that's how they are. Spiritual people, as babes in Christ. Babies and Kana Christians are the same because they manifest the same attitude. They all poo-poo on themselves. I'm not communicating here. That's how they, they eat and they expect somebody to come and wash it for them. Look at this, verse 3. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, but until now you are not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still kind of, for where there are envy, strife. Look at this. Strife, envy, divisions among you. Are you not kind of and behaving like me? Amen. Look at verse 4. He says, for who who, one, when one says, I'm of Paul, and another says, I'm of Apollos, are you not kind of, who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? My ministers through whom you believed. Look at this. Ephesians 4, verse 4, 14. That you should no longer be more, you should no longer be children. Somebody say, I should not be a child anymore. That you should no longer be what? Children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery, look at that word, trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You always have to find a way, when you are dealing with immature believers, you always have to find a way to trick them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when you tell them the plain truth, let's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added, they cannot accept it. But when you tell them, when you bring this, God will do this. Then they are motivated. So they do it one time, God does it one time, and they come back to square one. I'm not communicating here. There's a better way to live. I said there's a better way to live. Amen. There's a better way to live. Amen. Maturity in Christ is one of the greatest assets and blessings you can have in your life. Where you mature in Christ. Where you mature in Christ. I saw a Facebook post, I think last week or so. The person was saying that, a lot of men married now are very, very immature. <laughs> he said they are very, very immature and he gave some reasons. I, I looked at it and I began reflecting on a few married issues I have also been dealing with and how it confirms what the person was saying. 
And the reason why a lot are immature is because the thing that brings us maturity has been ignored. We have embraced every idea, every philosophy, every way of marrying other than the word of God. How can you mature in that? How can you have a peaceful home? You see, there are some people when they say this is going on in my home, this oak, it is not a surprise because marital peace and tranquility for the husband or for the wife is not a prayer point. Am I communicating here? Yeah, it's not a prayer point. If you do what God expects you to do, peace is guaranteed. Am I communicating here? The Bible says, Great peace have they that love their law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. So maturity is key. Somebody say maturity is key. When you come to church, be committed to spiritual maturity. Be committed to what? Seek to grow. Seek to grow. Seek to grow. Because if you don't grow, you can never enjoy your best, the best in life. One, even in our natural life, do you know that you will not enjoy the best of life if you refuse to grow? Huh? When you grow, you are able to know your options and make your own choices. But if you refuse to grow, people will always choose for you. Am I communicating here? Yeah, it's the same thing. In our walk with God until we grow, the best of God can never. Other people will always be serving us what we ought to be serving ourselves. And our maturity is seen by our manners. Somebody say, my manners. Reveals my maturity. Yeah. How come that something has gone on between you and a brother and you have decided that you will not, without speaking to the brother, you are, I'm, I'm, I'm just leaving the church. I'm, I'm leaving church. Why are you leaving church? Because this brother did so, so, and so to me. Is it the first time somebody has done something to you in a place? At the place you work, have they not done things to you? Have you left that place? Even if they want to sack you because you are greedy, you love money, you will beg them to stay there. But because you don't love Christ, the slightest thing, you say, I'm going. Am I communicating here? And you are also in church. And one of the things you consistently do is to make sure that people don't find the church very congenial and comfortable to be in. You put up an attitude that is always putting people off. All the time, consistently, you behave in a way that makes people feel that they don't belong here. Watch it. Jesus said, whoever will put a stomping block before one of these least ones, should be very careful. It's like it, it's better if they put a, a this around your neck and push you into the ocean. That's what Jesus said concerning the church. Next week, I'll be sharing some things. This one, I'm going to be sharing some deep things with you about the church. If there's one thing you don't you want to respect, you want to love, you want to honor, you want to invest in, is the church. If there's one thing you don't want to joke with, is the church. I'm not communicating here. Your honor and your value for the church will determine to a large extent what will happen to you and your generation. What will happen to you and your generation? Anything anybody will give up their blood for must mean a lot to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anything. You look at you. Look at the things you invest your energy in. Look at the car you bought. That car. Somebody's used car that you have gotten to use as a second hand that you are claiming is a, it's a new car. Look at the car. When a child even uses a stone to scratch it, Kai, you see how, how you go mad? You didn't use your blood, you used money to buy it. And imagine what Jesus did. He shed his blood, he purchased the church with his own blood. He died a shameful death on the cross just to secure the church. And you sit in the church and you play with the church. 
And then when you finish, you still have the ketzi to lift up your hand. Except that you bless me, I will not let you go. He tells you go, be going. Because there's no blessing there for you. Be going. You are, you are, you, it's too long. Be going fast. Be going. Number four. Good manners help you to discover and deploy your gift to serve your fellow members in God's family. That's good manners. Good manners. When you have good manners, good church manners, your gift and abilities will be discovered and they will be developed to help advance the cause of Christ. First Peter 4 verse 10, he said, each of you should use whatever gift. Somebody say whatever gift. Each of you. Somebody say each of you. Now, and we have a lot of people who sit in church week after week, come to church week after week, and they do nothing. They do nothing except to come and sit and watch as if we are a football game going here. They do nothing. That's what your Bible is saying. Each of you, not some of you. Did you hear what I'm saying? He said, each of you, everybody in the church, God is not looking for an assembly of spectators. The church is not a place where we come and sit and receive and go. That's the wrong church. The church is a place where we use our gift, our abilities to advance the cause of others. So the last place to be selfish is in church. Oh, today the worship was not powerful because Onise Iyano is the song we've been singing all week. And when you were coming, your selfish mind was telling you the choir should sing it. They didn't sing it, so the worship was not powerful. That's how selfish you are. It's, it is only powerful when it meets your needs. You can't consider the needs of others. Listen, selfish people are always frustrated in life. I'm telling you, whether they are in church or outside church, they never live a life of joy. They never live a life of fulfillment. Those who are always waiting for others to do so, they will come and eat. They are always broke. They are always broke. And those who seek all the time to advance the cause of other people, they will always go forward. I'm not communicating here. That's what the Bible says, that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form, he didn't think about himself. He thought about other people. Now imagine for a second, you come to church and you come and sit and you go. If nobody came here to clean here, if nobody came to rehearse here, if nobody came prepared to come and teach here, when you come, will you have church? Will you have church? Now that you have decided, you won't be involved. If everybody decides to go your way, will there be church? For you to now say, ah, church was very exciting. It was, who, who created that excitement for you? That is one of the things that has made us backward people as blacks. Because we are always looking for others to fix it for us. Instead of learning to take responsibility to fix it for ourselves. I'm not communicating here. He said, each of you. Now, as I remain the pastor of this new church, I've said it, in the next five years, if you come to church and you just want a place to sit, this church will be too hot for you to sit in. It will be too hot. It will be the last place. Because listen, I am going to teach from God's word to let you see how carnal you are, how unspiritual you are, how selfish you are, until the Holy Spirit brings you to a place of salvation. Am I communicating here? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm committed to doing. Because you see, there is a place you must be in Christ for you to enjoy the best of Christ. There's a place you must be. There's a place you must be. And until you are there, you see, that, that does not just help you. It helps me. I'm not communicating here. Yeah. If you are able to understand what I'm teaching and you begin to live it out, it will help me. Some of the things that you will bring to me as prayer point, you won't bring it to me. Because the answers will be coming to you before you even need it. I'm not communicating here. What was uh, Saul looking for when he was made a king? He was 
God, all he was doing was about his father's donkey. That's what he was looking for. And he met destiny. He said, the donkeys are found. But you are the one God is looking for. You see, the needs in your life. Sometimes most people don't even know that the needs have been set up by God to bring you to himself. Because when you meet the need, meter of needs, all your needs will be met. I'm not communicating here. When you meet God, who is the meter of all needs, all your needs will be met. So, is it possible that the reason why there are too many unanswered questions, too many needs around you, is because you have not met the one who has capacity to meet your needs. You have gone everywhere, but except him. The Bible says, everyone should use whatever gift you have. Whatever gift, and everybody has, because God gave it to us. To some one, to some two, to some. Everybody was giving something and they are supposed to use it. Use it. The choir uses their gift. That's why you can worship. I use my gift to teach. That's why you are getting blessed from the teaching I'm doing. Other people use their gift to clean. That's why this place is not dirty and is well kept. I'm not complicated. What kind of gift are you using? When you bring your children, you dump them there. Other people use their gift to clean, set up the place. That's why you can send your children there and they can have a congenial atmosphere to learn and to study God's word. Other people are using their gifts. How long will you continue to live selfishly? How long will you continue to live as if everybody must serve you, but you serve no one? I'm not communicating here. The Bible said everyone should, each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. He said, for you brethren, you have been called to liberty. We are free to do whatever we want to do. But only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. I'm free. I can do just anything. But by love, serve one another. What should motivate you is love. Love, love, love. Love for God, love for people. Love for God, love for people. That is what will keep you praying. That is what will keep you fasting. That is what will keep you following up on people. And I've not been coming to church and nobody called me. What prevents you from also calling others and getting them to come to church? If we're sharing money, will you say somebody should, should collect your own and bring it to you? The Bible says you've been called unto liberty. Use by love. Serve one another. Serve one another. Serve one another. Listen, we will get to heaven and be very shocked. What you have been placed in the body so you will do something to secure something in eternity salvation you pay no part in it so god cannot reward you for salvation you play no role in it he said it is a gift it's not of works lest any man should boast but once you are saved what will determine your crown what will determine where you will stand with god in eternity is how much of your life time energy resources were invested into god's kingdom for eternity that's it that's what shows so when you meet a matured christian he doesn't joke with church he doesn't joke with christians I'm not communicating here. A mature Christian does not joke with church. He doesn't joke with Christians. These two people. Christians everywhere and they are local church. No mature Christian will ever seek to bring a church down. No mature Christian will talk down on a fellow member of the same local church he belongs to. No matter what the person has done, he will not talk down on the person because he's mature. I'm not communicating here. He's mature. The person may have fallen down. The person may have messed up. The person may have sinned. But the person is still a child of God and he knows he has a responsibility to cover and to protect. Am I communicating here at all? That's a mature believer. If you can sit and discuss pastors, can I submit to you, you are not born again. If you can sit and talk down on a fellow believer 
because of one thing they said against you or not, despise them and treat them as if they are not spirit-filled people or they are not born again. You are the one who is not born again. You are not. Church manners is critical. Family manners. Good family manners empowers the church to fulfill its mandate of reconciling a lost world to Christ. This is our mission. This is our mandate. This is our responsibility. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8, at 28, he said, Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go ye. Somebody say, go ye. And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded thee. And lo, I am with you always. This was Christ's mandate to us. We are to go ye. Somebody say, go ye. We are to go ye, bring and establish. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. In the book of 2 Corinthians, he talks about the fact that all things are of God, verse 18, who has reconciled us unto himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He says, God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That ministry of reconciliation cannot be carried out by a few people. It cannot be carried out by what? No, 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 no. The business of winning the loss to Christ is not a business that can be left with a small team called Utah, with a small team called a prayer lifeline. No, it is a business for all. All have been given the ministry. All have been given. And every month, you have a responsibility. This month, who have I reconciled to the Lord? Who have I drawn into the assembling of the saints? Who has been established? How can you be a Christian for five years, two years, and nobody is standing strong in Christ because of you? And yet, you have a long list of things Christ must attend to. That's why the prayer points have become frustrating points. The more you look at them, you see how far-fetched they are. God cares about them as much as you care about them. But God will not provide for you to live an irresponsible life. I'm not complicating here. There is no good father who will continue to sour stuff on people to cause them to be irresponsible. At some point, he will, he will call you to a, a certain sense of responsibility. Somebody say an amen. amen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are what? The laborers are what? Yeah. In this house, the laborers are few. The laborers are few. When we close service, immediately you are in a hurry to go. The laborers are few. You are always in a hurry to go. Number six, good manners is critical for continuous growth and advancement of the church. Good manners. Somebody say good manners. It's critical for continuous growth and advancement of the church. Yeah, good manners. Good manners is critical. Good man is critical. And for those of you who are young and single, <laughs> that, that, this is the best time to serve God. This is the best time to what? <laughs> Look at this. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, look at this, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up his church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to unity, to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be matured. We will be what? Matured. Oh, please talk to me. We will be what? Matured in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That we will no longer be children. Go to verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Who is the head of his body, the church? Look at verse 15. Let's read it together. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each Wait, as each part, you remember First Peter says, each one should use his gift. This one says, as each part 
does its own special work. It helps other parts to grow. The reason why an usher can become frustrated and talk to you anyhow and you get angry because you are kind is because he's overwhelmed with the work. Yeah. If you join him yeah. and you reduce the load of work on one person, yeah. the person can also be cheerful. Yes, I'm not communicating here. Yes, the person can also be cheerful. Of course, it's no excuse for any usher to be irresponsible in the way they speak to people. Yeah. I'm not communicating here. But that's what you do. He said, as each special, part does its special way, it helps other parts to grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You want to see a church that is full of love. That's a church everybody is involved. That's a church that everybody is involved. There's no love in this church. Take the responsibility and start showing love to people. Rather than sitting down and expecting people to show love to you. It's the same selfish mindset, you know. We are always expecting to receive rather than take the initiative to give. Number three, it wins the respect of those who are outside. When there is good manners in the church, it wins the respect of those who are outside. We have a responsibility to win the respect of those who are outside. Look at what Paul said. He said, but we don't. We don't need to write to you about importance of loving each other. For God himself has taught you to love one another. Verse 10. He says, Indeed, you already show your love for all believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Verse 12, he said, Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. I'm not communicating here. Unbelievers ought to respect you. When Paul was talking about leadership, he said, The leaders that are going to be appointed as church leaders must be people who are respected by people outside. First Timothy 3, verse 6. Yeah. They must not be new followers of the Lord. If they are, they will become proud and be doomed along with the devil. But finally, they must be well respected by those who are not followers. Am I communicating here? Yeah, manners. They must be respected by those who are not followers. Uh, let me close with what everybody loves to receive, but few people know how to position themselves for. If you look at the Old Testament... <laughs> All the blessings of God were conditioned on obedience. In the New Testament, all the blessings have been made available for us in Christ. And our response of faith, which is also an expression of obedience in doing the things the Bible says we should do, positions us to receive all of them. I'm not communicating here. It's the same thing. So obedience either way is needed. He says in, uh, uh, what do you call it? First, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 and 18. In the following instructions, that's what I told you. I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet. What do you want to experience when we meet? Are you, experiencing, are you expecting good or are you expecting harm? Then we need to check our manners. So he began to talk about it. He said, for if in the first place, when you come together, I hear there are divisions. This one is not talking to that one. This one is not talking to that one. That's manners. That's what? Manners. Your father is speaking to you. You ignore him. Your mother is speaking to you. That is, is a show of manners. Your brother is talking to you. Then you flap them off. Manners. Look at Psalm 133. Psalm 133 verse 1 and 2 are close with this. He said, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell well 
together in unity, which the Corinthian church didn't understand. It is like, please follow, it is like precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garment. Verse 3, he says, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, the Lord command, Lord command, the Lord, there the Lord commanded the blessing life forever. So there's an atmosphere that God commands his blessing into. He commands it. You don't pray it into. He commands it. Once that congenial atmosphere is created, the blessing of God is commanded into it. When we gather together, God's plan is to command his blessing. That's why he gives us his presence. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. What am I there for? I'm there to bless them. I'm there to change their circumstances. I'm there to transform them. But the atmosphere must be correct. Somebody say the atmosphere must be correct. The atmosphere must be correct. There is no way a judge will sit in a courtroom and start to pass, do his work of the day without first of all bringing order. That's the first thing. So anybody is talking, they pick the gabon and they put it in order, order, order. There must be order. Then the proceeding of the day can go on. Can I tell you something? When we come to church, there must be order. There must be what? Order. order means that everybody is playing the role he's assigned to play. Everybody is. By the time you come to church and you are fought with an usher, count yourself out of the service. You are already out because you are out of order. No matter how you cry and, and tear up in worship, nothing will change for you in the, as far as that meeting is concerned. Because there's a fundamental protocol you are broken. And also tells you to sit here. You have designated for yourself a place where you will sit. How disorderly can you be? Am I communicating yet? I told somebody. When you go into any meeting of importance, do you go and choose where you sit? How can you belittle the presence of God and demean our gathering, which is superior to all other gatherings? You go to Parliament House, you go to Presidential Gathering, any human meeting of importance, what they tell you is where you sit. Only in church you can debate because you came in a car, the author walks about. And God knows, you see, you see that there are things you are saying in your heart, you are saying with your attitude, God has already picked them. He knows your thoughts from afar. He knows what you think of the author. He knows what you think about the person who is speaking to you at the car park. You can just park anywhere and just walk on people. Because those who are parking, helping you park your car. You are superior than them. You have a degree they don't have. You are, you are a boss in your place. They are not. You are in shoes. They are in something else. And when you come, Lord, I lift up your name. God said, this is a joker of a Christian. That's what he says. I'm not communicating here. Let me tell you, protocol is important in every circumstance. And if you break divine protocols, you cannot. He says some are sick. Some are weak. Some are dying. Some are sick. In the church, some are sick. Some are weak and some are dying. And it, it wasn't because God wanted them sick. God wanted them dead. But because of their attitude of lack of reverence. Reverence for God. Reverence for the house of God. Reverence for leadership. I tell you all the time. And I will keep on telling you. As long as I remain in the flesh. I will keep on instructing you the way to live a blessed life. Some of us don't struggle to receive the same things. Some of other people are praying for, for years without getting. Because where you respect protocol you go to the bank your money is there but when there's a queue and you refuse 
to form the queue. If the people who are there are correct, they may not serve you. Am I communicating here? They may not serve you. They may not serve you. When we meet, don't think that it's just us who have met. The Bible said we have come to an innumerable company of angels. To the church of the firstborn. To the heavenly Jerusalem. This is a holy gathering. This is a holy convocation. The presence of God is always here when we meet. But when we honor that presence, we begin to see amazing things in our lives. But when we despise that presence, we won't see. And God is not there. God, God does not show up in any meeting. Nana Kufadu will not show up as a president in every environment. The environment must be designed and organized. His protocol team must inspect that it, the atmosphere is befitting of his presence. Am I communicating here? That's the same thing God deals with us. We are coming to a meeting with God and you choose that you will come when everybody has come. You, you, don't, you don't respect the meeting. You have no reverence for the meeting. Let me tell you, Satan is not powerful. Hear me and hear me well. The witches in your family are not powerful. Unless your position is not in Christ. If you are not in Christ, that's okay. They will sift you like wheat. Yeah, that one. If your position is not in Christ. But if you are in Christ, like I am in Christ, Satan is not powerful. There is no demonic ancestral curse that can hold your destiny down. Like they were they depicted here. And you guys, you did well. But don't be depicting ancestral curses here. We don't believe in ancestral curses here. Because ancestral curses, we belong to, we have a heritage of ancestral blessings. I'm not communicating here. Yeah, so it's not, Satan is not strong positioning yourself well. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Is that not what the Bible said? Somebody who is ready to run away from you, how can he be the cause of your failure? How can you be the cause of your, your lack of progress and success and prosperity? How can he be? Why you resist him? It means the reason why he's overcoming is because there's no resistance. There's no resistance because you are disorderly. May the Lord help us. May we have a church where people revere God. May we have a church where people learn to honor God. May we have a church where people respond to God out of love, out of reverence. Lift up your hands. And I want you to pray in any way that the Spirit of God has brought you conviction. Ask God for His mercy and forgiveness. Lift up your hands. He is ever merciful and gracious. Zanda balikato brade valo sebradea Andi boko shabadi vahalasa Brede kelo zabrande berebe zanda Lagabako zabadi vahalo sete Prande gerelebo sabradiva Fande golo zabrade vado sebede veleza Rabako shanda dabahali bo sabrande valaza Thank you, Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we receive grace. Somebody say, I receive grace to do God's word. I honor God's word. I obey God's word. I refuse to live like a heathen. I choose proper manners. I choose good manners in God's house. Thank you, Father, for your blessing. In Jesus' name. If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. 
by my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santata Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. No, no.